young black. Young black. A young black. Black. Black equestrian. 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 Black equestrian. Equestrian. Black equestrian. I'm a young black equestrian. I am a young black equestrian. <laughs>
um, and I wanted to become uh, a veterinarian and do all that stuff. Um, and then um, my parents got divorced and my dad stopped paying for college. So then um, I came home and I was wondering how can I pay for college? Um, and while I was waiting tables, um, I was home in the middle of the day and they had this new special about careers that you can make a decent living at, but you don't have to have a college education and paramedic was one of them. So, um, that day I started making arrangements, um, in order to become a paramedic. Um, I went back to Michigan, went to paramedic school, finished paramedic school. Um, I ended up transferring from Michigan state to Colorado state, uh, to finish up my bachelor's degree. Because by then I had realized that uh, being a veterinarian didn't make enough money to pay off the tremendous amount of debt uh, that you incur. Um, and I was getting older and I just understood money a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I got, I, yeah. <laughs> so I got my bachelor's degree from CSU. Um, and then when I was finished, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was making, you know, pretty decent money as a paramedic, but I knew I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. Right. Um, and so at the fire department there in Fort Collins, um, there was, they only had one black, uh, firefighter on their department. And, um, he was talking about becoming a firefighter and he made it sound so great. And then he told me how much they make, um, and how many days a month they work. And I was like, all right, well, if I can do it, I'll, I'll do it. And so then, you know, once again, it's kind of my personality. Once I put my mind to it, that's it. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going for it. So, um, I started training, um, you know, trying to get, uh, in better physical shape than I already was. And then, um, start working out, started testing for fire departments. Um, and then the way I got to Las Vegas was, um, another friend of mine said, oh, we should go to Las Vegas because it's the fastest growing fire departments in the country and they're hiring. All you have to do is be a paramedic and you're going to get hired. Mm -hmm. And that's, ba that's basically what happened. I moved to uh, Las Vegas and I think it, it took me a year or so to get hired. And then the rest is history. I've been working at the fire department um, ever since then. So that was 13 years ago or so. so. Wow. wow. <laughs> I know a lot of firefighters in my family. <laughs> oh, do you? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's like, yeah, now that I think of it, we, I know a couple that I just, I don't know. And they're also horse people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's random, but it, I wish there was more, like we're always trying, well, um, there's less women uh, than there is um, African-Americans. So um, our push is always, you know, women, for, women first. So the right. women on the department, like that's like always like kind of our strive is, is because there's enough people kind of handling the other side of it. And so we're always just trying to get more females and um, the females on our department, um, our numbers are half of what it was when I first got on, which I did not know until one of the males on my crew actually brought it up. He said when oh, he wow. was hired, yeah, he was the one that was more in touch than I was. And he said when he was hired, there was over 30 and right now there's, there's 12. Wow. So yeah, and I'm and what's that? I'm sorry. I said that's a huge drop. Yeah, and we have over 700 people in suppression um, on our department. So out of 700, only 12 of them are women. 
So it's one of those things that like, it's, it's, yeah, we need to make a little bit more of a push um, mm -hmm. on our department. Yeah. But it's, it's one of those things that it's not going to change overnight. So. Right, mm -hmm. right, 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 right. So after all that, or I guess before all that, you got all, you got into horses, you know, kind of prior to yeah. the whole career shift and things. So tell us a little bit about that, how you got into horses. Yeah. So there, I mean, the reason I wanted to go to vet school was because, you know, I've always uh, loved horses. Um, and the way I got into horses is, is kind of a weird story. Um, when I tell it nowadays, people always, it starts off like it could be possibly like a creepy thing, but it, it really was not. The, um, so I lived in New Jersey when I was a kid. I was three or four years old. And the neighbor across the street was like a low-level gangster. Um, and he um, had trotting horses in Yonkers. And uh, he also had horse coloring books and, you know, little horse toys and stuff. And I would go, my brother and I would go over there to play and uh, he would let me play with the horses and the coloring books and all that. And so I started getting really interested. And then um, he told my mom, oh, you should take her to the pony rides at this local park that was in our town. Um, and so my mom started taking me there and then that was it. That's, I mean, you know, the hundreds of yeah. thousands of dollars later now, it's, yes. you know, it's, it's, it's history. Now, yeah, <laughs> it's history. That was, that was it. We, we ended up moving to Illinois and then my mom was like, okay, well, you know, do you want to take riding lessons? And I said, yes. And then she said, well, do you want to do English or Western? And I didn't care. Whatever gets me to it faster was, mm -hmm. was my answer. And then she talked me into writing English. So that's what I've always written. Even though now, um, because I, I do breaking and training of horses, I, I will ride Colt Western. But um, mm -hmm. I don't, I've never, uh, I've only competed in one Western thing. And it was a little tiny back woods kind of thing it wasn't anything big but all my competing is all 3d eventing now so mm -hmm. right, right cool so when did you start the whole three-day eventing like is that was that kind of when you were doing your lessons as a kid or did that come later in life no that was that was later so um the so when i got on the fire department you know, because, um, you know, we, we make a good living and, um, I was actually able to buy my first horse. Um, and I wanted to, you know, get into, you know, training horses and selling them. And then that kind of, the second horse that I got was, is my, um, I guess quote, my, my marquee horse, the horse that I take everywhere that I've had the longest. He's a big red chestnut that he'll be on my Instagram page a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, and I've had him, boy, I think either 10 or 11 years uh, this year. Um, when I got him, he was so out of control, um, just so crazy. And like, he couldn't even walk over a ground pole. Um, just, I was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, what am I going to do with this horse? I don't even know how to train it. Mm -hmm. um, but once again, I just you know, thought to myself, okay, well, there has to be information out there. So I just started researching a lot, you know, to just get some training on this horse. Well, simultaneously, I was working um, with this lady who, you know, she was giving me lessons, and mm -hmm. she was a three-day eventer. Mm -hmm. And um, she said, hey, why don't we 
let him get a look at something solid. And, you know, let me just remind you, this horse couldn't get over a ground pull at this point. Like, he mm -hmm. would break him in half. Like, he would trample jumps. And then now she's saying, why don't you go over something solid? I thought, well, okay, she's obviously wants me to die, so she can take my horse. <laughs> can he you go know? over it by himself first? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, did you just see him trample? Okay, whatever. And she was like, no, no, no you don't understand they see the solid stuff better it's 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 fine they understand it um mm -hmm. and he trotted up to it and just went right over it like it was nothing and we haven't looked back since so it was him I tell people I I, I never wanted to do eventing he did so mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. made me do it and so now <laughs> now we um we compete at training level um which uh, the jumps, I, I think the highest they can go is, is three foot five. Um, and then I, I don't remember the exact width of the jumps, but there's, there's specifications for that. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, so now we, we do training level and that's probably where um, we're going to top out at. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun and a lot of learning. So, and, you know, I mean, I think everybody has that one horse that teaches them how to be a better horseman and mm -hmm. that horse yeah yeah so the three-day eventing that's the dressage show jumping and eventing is he i mean he's obviously better at the jumps now yeah 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 it's 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 dressage um you do so a lot of events now aren't really three days but now you know we still call it three-day eventing um mm -hmm. but uh usually first day well actually always the first thing you do is dressage um, and then, um, sometimes at lower levels, I'll make you do show jumping first. Um, but the traditional format of three-day eventing is, um, dressage, cross country, um, which is the solid jumps, which is the mm -hmm. dangerous part. And then mm -hmm. you finish, um, your last days is, is then show jumping. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to test, you know, the training of your horse, um, in every possible aspect of, of your horsemanship. Um, if it was Western, it would be like the rain cow horse event where they have to do, um, raining, um, then they have to do cutting and then they mm -hmm. have to go down the fence with a cow. It's the same, it's the same concept in three day eventing where mm -hmm. you're doing three sports, which yeah, they're similar, but they're, they're all very different and you have to train all three of them in order right. to be successful. Right. Oh, that's cool. Does, so yeah. eventing is still his favorite though. Uh, the cross country part. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The cross country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he just, I mean, he's he's seventeen too, so he is. He's an ex racehorse. He's yeah. He's just built to eat up the ground and just. I mean, that's what he's made to do. Mm -hmm. And so he always like when we step out onto the field, he's. I, I don't have to I'm not making people that say oh you're making this horse I'm not making him do anything mm -hmm. like he wants to do it so I just I'm just along for the ride I just kind of hold on and just point out which jumps we have to go over <laughs> that's funny I think, yeah <laughs> I think it's amazing that you could find something that he would enjoy you know, like you said, some people think like you're making a horse do certain things or people aren't sure what their horse is good at but for him to have kind of put y'all in that path of doing inventing and you enjoy it and he enjoy it, he enjoys it, I think that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, because he he is a very, very anxious, nervous horse by nature. So 
he actually is better when we're doing that because he just relaxes because he's getting to do his most favorite thing, which is just right. run really fast. And, yeah. and he just, I mean, from start to finish, his ears are up. He's just, I mean, he's that, you know, perfect partner, you know, that you want. Um, I, I mean, our biggest problem is he'll try to jump anything whether he can make it or not and so it's up to me to be the you know like kind of yeah. the governor and be the like hey man yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be the probably our biggest issue it would be like sometimes I have to pull him off jumps and like hey it's not right we're gonna get hurt he's fighting me <laughs> like, like no, no let, me just try. let me just yeah. try yeah he's like I got this man what are you talking about <laughs> well it's definitely a partnership <laughs> yeah did he have yeah. any issue with the water I know a lot of them have water components to them too yeah every especially as you move up the levels when you so the levels in eventing it goes um intro um beginner novice novice training prelim intermediate and then advanced mm -hmm. um and anything above intro always has a water element in it mm -hmm. and so um like i said uh when i got him i had a lot of issues um with him just in general um and i did um and, and this story is probably the evolution of just my horsemanship to where i am right now and mm -hmm. and how he changed me so i had him for i think just over a year when i i did a clinic um with uh, Greg Best, who won the silver medal uh, in show jumping. And he was my idol growing up. Um, we used to sit around the barn and watch him, you know, show jump. He had um, a horse called Gem Twist, which everyone calls the, you know, the best uh, show jumping horse of, of all time. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was so happy I was gonna be in this clinic in front of, you know, my childhood idol. And I'm riding, you know, the, you know, MC, my horse, and he's grinding his teeth from start to finish. He's just sweating and nervous and anxious. And, and by the end of the three days, he was better, but he was still so anxious. And I have um, Greg Best on tape saying to me, like, wow, like, this horse at times is almost unrideable. Like you have to get some training on him. There's, there's, you know, a screw loose, there's something wrong with him. And he's all if I had a horse like this in training that was this anxious, we would probably have to sedate him to put some training on him because otherwise he's going to be, I mean, completely unrideable. Right. And so I, I, yeah. And so, I mean, and this isn't somebody who's like, you know, from a backyard, this is a guy who has seen thousands of horse and rider combinations. He's not just, you know, putting that out there. Playing it. Yeah. Yeah. So he knows what he's talking about. He's not just, you know, exaggerating it. So, I didn't want to sedate him. Um, and so once again, I was, I was still in the process of looking for better ways to train the horse. Mm -hmm. um, and right around, I can't remember if it was before or after that, but right around that within a month or two, um, Clinton Anderson had a um, arena tour come to Las Vegas. And I somehow in the mail got free tickets. I, I don't, I, I don't know if I was on some kind of list or something, but I got free tickets and I went to it. And I had never heard of him. I didn't know who he was. Um, and he, I, I don't know if you really got, if the, the East Coast, most people don't know about him either. But um, he's a professional horse trainer. Mm -hmm. And when you yeah. go to one of these shows, it's like the Rolling Stones. 
it's ridiculous. Like he comes out and there's lights and music and people are standing up the crowd. It's sold out for horse training. Mm -hmm. People are standing up and they have all these yellow towels that say his catchphrase, no worries. And they're swinging the towels around and they're screaming. And I'm like, what am I about to see? This is ridiculous. What is going to happen? And so he comes out on his marquee horse at the time, which was this horse called Mindy. And he does this entire um, Liberty performance with the horse completely like untied to him. And I'm just thinking, okay, well, he didn't just get this horse yesterday. Like you have to like have, I mean, this took years to do, but a lot of trainers lie about that. They'll just be like, oh, I just, you know, it took me five minutes to do this. So he does this Liberty performance and he gets on the horse bridleless and saddleless at the end and rides it around. And then the lights come up and he starts talking. And the first thing he said was, I didn't get this horse yesterday. I've had this horse for 17 years since she was born. And it took me that long to get this horse to be this way. Um, And all of the production aside, I liked his humility. I liked the fact that he was so honest about Mm -hmm. horse training. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I sat and watched as he trained several other horses, problem horses throughout the weekend. And I was just, I was blown away and I was like, okay, this is, this is what my horse needs. And at the time he had a series just specifically for thoroughbreds. So I went and got that. I I didn't Mm -hmm. buy his whole thing. I just went and got the thoroughbred thing and I followed that. And I had such dramatic results that eight months later, I did another clinic with Greg Best and he didn't he couldn't believe it was the same horse. Mm-hmm. He was blown away. I have him on video again saying, I can't believe what you did with this horse. It's amazing in such a short period of time. And I, it's, it's all due to, you know, Clinton Anderson and doing that method. And so then a couple years later, I did an actual clinic with Clinton Anderson. And then since then, what I've been able to do with horses since then is, is, it, it's it's it was it's life changing. It really that I think that was the moment where I was like, okay, this is this is what I, how I want to train horses, and this is how I want to be with horses. Right, right. That's cool. I mean, I've heard of him, but I haven't looked into his like, you know, his program or you know yeah. his, his whatever. I can, the word is escaping me, but his principles, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> his his whole like his whole philosophy and everything. Yeah, philosophy. It's, that's the word I was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of he he doesn't have a really big presence on the East Coast because mm-hmm. he rides Western, so more it's more English out East, and so mm-hmm. he kind of hasn't filtered in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and some of his techniques are so foreign to people who ride English that they're less likely to kind of just be open-minded about it. And so that's where he kind of has like a, a little bit of a gap there. Mm-hmm. But for me, I, I, I have no problem taking what he's applying to, okay, yeah, like you might be using it for a rainer, but like we can also use it for show jumping and jumping mm-hmm. and, and just getting a better horse overall, like just right. getting the horse broke. Right. You know, and right. then going from there. Right. That is- those um programs 
would come on like some channel early Saturday mornings <laughs> when, <laughs> or early Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's great that you got a second opinion instead of just saying like, oh man, this guy said I should sedate him to do the training. You know, yeah. who knows how the horse would have ended up if you would have took that route. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know where this horse would be if, if, I hadn't put this type of training on him and I think he would have been a lot better off if I had done the training a lot earlier in his life mm-hmm. and not done it the wrong way and then had to come back and fix it and, and, and redo it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of that mistake, I made him a promise that he'll stay with me for the rest of his life because mm-hmm. I can't guarantee that he can go because he still has like, little issues here and there mm-hmm. that I'm aware of but it can be dangerous for other people so he's wow. he's forever in the rescue because I feel like I screwed him up a little bit so I'm going to take that responsibility he can stay with me but every horse since then I've gotten better at rehabbing and our latest horse we um were able to donate it to the to the forest service and I mean it, he was he's a four-year-old off the track and they have a picture of him standing um they were fighting a forest fire and the horse is, is just standing there with his leg cocked, like falling asleep. And this is an ax racehorse that's four years old at the time of the picture. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. And, and that's how solid this training is. It just, it works every single time on every mm-hmm. horse. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. So, I mean, what are some of the major challenges or if, if you've had any, um, you know, being a minority in the horse industry in your area? Um, I, I've, I've had the um, advantage of just throughout my life living all over the country. I've lived coast to coast. Um, I lived in, you know, New Jersey, Michigan, Illinois, uh, Colorado, and now um, I live here in Las Vegas. And I, I would say there's kind of no difference coast to coast. It's still there. Um, I would say that um, as a whole, just in general in life, I think that there's still little weird things that happen. I think as I've gotten older, it gets a little bit more subtle, but it's still there. Um, when I was a kid and we used to walk into like a tax store or something people would immediately come up to us and be like, oh, are you in the right store? Like things like that. Um, You know, just little things like that. Um, (laughs) When I went to um, Colorado State and I was taking, uh, um, I signed up uh, for the advanced jumping class. um, And I, since I was a transfer student, nobody had ever seen me. And so usually you progress through the levels, but I was good enough to ride in the, and I remember when I first showed up and I, I was grooming my horse, getting ready for the first day, um, a lady who was teaching another class, not the lady that was teaching that class, uh, came up to me and she was like, oh, are you sure you're in the right class and this and that? And I was just like, yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And then she kept up with it. Like she wouldn't let wow. it go. Yeah. And then I'm I, like back then, especially 20 years ago, I, I still have a little bit of a smart mouth, but I, back then it was way worse. (laughs) Yeah. And so she, um, she said, uh, she just, she kept just, Oh, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Just, just, you know, real, just 
kind of needling me. And so then I finally just turned to her and I said, Hey, look, guess what? Um, if I, if I fall off, then you can kick me out of the class. How about that? Mm-hmm. You know? And then she was like, oh, okay. Like, and she walked off and then throughout the semester, every single person in that class fell off, including the TAs, except for me. I was the only person in the class that did not fall off. Even both of the TAs fell off. So, um, yeah, so after that, I, I didn't get any more problems there. But it's always, like, little, just... Yeah, just little, little microaggressions. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, just mm-hmm. little comments, like, where are you from? Are you from the planet Earth? I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> where you came from? Like, where, why? I don't get it. Oh, and, and I'm just like, what, what are you really trying to ask? What are you, right. you know, I mean, you're they really know. trying. You, they're they're, right. They, they know their real question. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so then I'm purposely evasive because I know what they're trying to ask when they say, where are you from? I go all over. <laughs> they're, what they're really asking is, are you from the ghetto where I hear black right. people from? That's what they're trying to say, but I won't give it to them. I, no, I'm not. And they just can't believe, I mean, even though, you know, the Huxtables put it out there and they're like, hey, you know, black people can be educated and have money and have, you know, sophistication and all that there's still this disbelief because there's not a lot of us. There's not mm-hmm. a huge presence of us. So yeah, like I get those little questions and those little comments and, and just, and I don't know. I mean, I think just as I've gotten older, I just don't care. I just, I usually come up with some wise crack or something and I just blow it off. Usually yeah. I, and I haven't had anything, nothing really like comes to mind of really like stand out like mm-hmm. aggression not for well yes. I mean okay so the big I guess the big thing and it's been on our mind here recently at our our current ranch where um the horse rescue is and this would probably be an interesting topic for any horse person it's um ranch staff versus uh anyone who boards Mm-hmm. because and then I'm always the first target because they think oh well I know all these people are looking down on me and I don't I definitely don't want her looking mm-hmm. down on me and so there's always this little bit of animosity between ranch staff and boarders and then it's a whole different level when it's with me they mm-hmm. always start in with me first and so I've always had that little bit of, you know, I always try to be nice at first, but it never fails. 95% of ranch staff have an issue, um, especially the ones that are, are Caucasian. They will definitely have an issue because they're like, well, I'm not taking orders from her, mm-hmm. you know? And so there's that whole little bit of, the, and that, that kind of stuff, um, that they, they, it's, there's nothing micro about their aggression. Like it's, right. it's, it's real. Like I've come toe to toe with people like screaming at me and, and blowing up and whatever. And over, you know, them, it's always when they've made a mistake and I call it to their attention and they don't like it. Right. So, and that's, that's a classism type thing. And then you put color on top of it. It just, mm-hmm. it, it's a powder keg that's just kind of waiting to explode. So yeah. it's just one of those facts of life that you just kind of have to deal with. So I would, I'd probably say that's probably the biggest hurdle. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's in the forefront of my mind right now is just just dealing with ranch staff and because yeah. for the most part everybody is just they once they get over the initial shock it's it's fine like yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. When people do that, they don't even consider, you know, horsemanship anymore. You know, like that goes out the window. They're just looking at the color of your skin. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, we are all connected. And if we want to be better horsemen and women, why wouldn't you listen to each other? No matter you yeah. know, who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they just can't get past it. And they're, mm-hmm. they're so fixated on one thing. And, and, you know, I mean, usually... Uh, these are the type of people who have lots of problems that just being one of them it's it's not mm-hmm. but it, it's still there it's like one of those things that you you're on the way to the barn you're like oh i hope that person's not there you know yeah mm-hmm. so, it's just one of those things but that i mean that's life i mean nothing's ever perfect so yeah. you know i'm not bitter yeah. about it it just is what it is yeah yeah so let's um chat about your rescue when did that first start and um what kind of inspired you to go that route? Um, I, I started the rescue in 2013 um, after running the, the horse business just as a business for a little while. And I just felt like it was a combination of things. One, um, my accountant suggested that I turn it into a rescue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought about it. And I just felt like... Um, and I still kind of feel this way that a lot of people getting into horses um, don't really know what to do with the horse. And once, especially it's, I don't know if it's the same out East, but out West, there's no kind of infrastructure. Once you buy the horse, there's no support system. You buy the horse and you go off down the road and that's it like mm-hmm. like there's no one to help you except probably some rednecks sitting on a fence going oh you don't do it like that you know I mean <laughs> and so you don't have any like anyone to be- and, and then like you're like oh do I pay this person money I don't know so there's no like real infrastructure out west and so here I am retraining all these third reds who are who can be difficult by nature if you don't do the right training and I was just like person after person would come by to look at these horses and I'm like I can't in good conscience send this horse down the road with this person right and I felt like being a horse rescue would give me a lot more latitude to um I don't know just vet the people yeah um, and stay connected to them yes yeah yeah people like even now like for the horse rescue you can't just come and adopt the horse and I'll never talk to you again no I'm I'm uh, I'll be, you know, texting you, you know, checking and, and not in a, in a punitive sort of way. I want to make sure that you are safe, that the horse is safe, yeah. that yeah. everything is going well, that you're not like, oh, I wish this chick would just come and take this horse, which wow. I've done. Right. And I tell everyone, I'm like, look, if it is not working out, um, I will come and pick, no questions asked. And I will not, I mean, if it's not a fit, it's not a fit and it's right. fine. Mm-hmm. so that's more of of what and being a horse rescue gives me that um latitude actually later today like when we end this um I'm driving a horse up to Utah to see if he'll fit as um a horse for their equestrian team so uh, you know I mean but I, I don't know it's not a given I, mm-hmm. I don't know so yeah that's cool that's cool how many horses have you had come through your your rescue I think I'm about 
at 10 right now um, because I'm basically self-funded. I have a couple of donors that donate a lot of money, but because I don't have my own property, it's hard for me to get like the numbers. And Right. I always want to make sure that there's quality like and right. so I'm not one of those huge rescues that is putting out a hundred horses a year yeah. because if if you do yeah it, and if you do that it makes it a lot more difficult to keep an eye on each of right. them and make sure everybody's doing all right and mm-hmm. oh do you guys need me to come out and help do you need me to you know I mean um you know the one horse that's in for service is um in Bishop, California, which is about a six hour drive from us. Um, I'm two of my rescue horses are in Virginia with a girl who adopted both of them. Um, she took the horse that I used in retired racehorse project last year. And then she took another horse called Malibu Canyon a couple years ago, mm-hmm. moved to Virginia. I'm flying out there in April, um, to, to just kind of hang out with her and we're going to take a couple lessons together. And, and so it's like, we're just, I'm slowly building a little community of, of, of people. And that's, I mean, I always say that like our, yeah, it's a horse rescue, but we probably rescue as many people as we rescue horses. So mm-hmm. it's just, you can't, I thought when I first started, um, the horse training business, um, and it wasn't a rescue, I thought I could just train the horses and send them off and, yeah. and everything would be fine. And no, it does not work that way. Like now I work with the people and the horse mm-hmm. um, for a long period, like let them get, I don't just say, hey, okay, now you're gonna take the horse and I'll never see you again. Like I work with them. If they have problems, I come and help solve them. And, and so it's more of a just, you know, okay, we're using horses to help people kind of thing. Right, right. How do you find like balance between your your career and the rescue? <laughs> um, I'm so uh, my my boyfriend would say I don't have balance. Um, that's that's, that's, my, that's most answers. <laughs> there is a one. <laughs> yeah, um, and so he would say I don't have balance. Um, I've always, I mean, just. I mean, and me, it's always like, you know, telling how I got to where I am. I I didn't get to where I am by standing still. And one of my aunts always used to say, oh, she'd be like, oh, that Jennifer grass doesn't grow under her feet. And so (laughs) that's kind of, I've always been like that. I don't like to sit still. I don't like to sit in the house. I don't like to, I I hate it. Um, Luckily, my job, we work 10, 24 hour shifts a month. Um, and now, um, I have enough time. I'm, I'm more than halfway through my career at the fire department. So I have a lot of vacation time. And so I use a lot of that and it's just having that job and having full days with the horses helps. Like I have 20, no, I have no less than 20 full days a month with my horses. And so that helps not getting out of work at five and trying to rush to the barn and then trying to get home and having, you know, I have those full days where I'm not there, but then I'll have, you know, a bunch of days in a row where I am there. So that helps a lot. And it's just, it's, it's time management. And honestly, like, I, I honestly don't know how people with regular jobs get anything done because everything is open from nine to five and that's when you get out of work so I, mm-hmm. I don't know how normal people do it I really don't like 
because today, I mean, I had all day to get stuff done. Like, you know, I mean, because I'm off. And so I don't understand how if you work Monday through Friday, how you get anything done. You know, I mean, what do you do? Yeah, you don't. Saturday? You don't. It's a horrible <laughs> okay. system. It's a horrible system. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like yeah. it. <laughs> it's really not I mean, somebody did not think this out correctly like I know I know like, I was <laughs> yeah yeah last year I was like oh yeah I'm gonna get into endurance I'm gonna like you know train my horse and we're gonna ride and then I was like okay so if I'm gonna do like a 25 miles I need at least like eight hours yeah yeah uninterrupted time okay when do I have that eight hours okay yeah, yeah. Every other Saturday, hmm, like yeah. I don't have enough time to be. No, we gonna ride at midnight. Yeah, 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 and, and that's that's and and that's. I mean, that was actually. I mean, one of the reasons um, I picked this profession was like, oh, okay, so I get whole days off. All right, sweet. Like, and it rotates throughout the month, so it's not always on the weekends. Yeah. And so, like, you know, it, it could be Tuesday, and I okay, I have all day on Tuesday you know to do an eight-hour run and that's why i'm able to start horses too is because i'm not trying to rush off to work so if a specific horse needs two hours okay i don't care i got all day you know i mean the horses hate it because they're like oh i know she's gonna get tired and i'm like no i, I'm no, all I ain't got nothing else to do yeah this I'm is like, it so jealous of you right now yeah <laughs> right i mean and it's just well don't you won't be jealous i mean most firefighters end up getting cancer so at least you won't get i was that, about so. to say like i don't want to actually fight the fires but I, <laughs> yeah I, we just have yeah. the hours and i'll be yeah. on the horn and all that yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh what advice would you give the aspiring you know equestrian whether it be uh, owning a rescue or just riding or anything um, I, I would say, um, get out there and try as many disciplines as you can try. I mean, I've ridden a lot of different disciplines. I've ridden in, you know, obviously, um, dressage, jumping, um, I've done a little bit of endurance stuff. Um, I've done a little bit of Western stuff. Um, I've done fox hunting. Um, I've even, um, you know, traveled, um, to Ireland and did some riding over there. I did some carriage driving. I was just um, gonna ask if you had done driving. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did do some carriage driving in Ireland. Um, oh I, I mean, just just try everything, and then that's the way you'll find um, what you really like. Um, I would say if you're gonna, that's as far as riding horses. Um, as far as running a business. I would say um, if you're going to run a rescue, run it like a business. Um, it's a business first. Um, and then if you're running any business, whether it be horses or anything, the most important thing in any business is networking and it's word of mouth and it's getting to know people, especially in this digital age, you might think it's not as important to get to know people, but it's more important because there's less yeah there's less personal uh interaction so it's it's more important to just have that personal interaction with people because that's what's going to keep people coming back and that's what's going to um make you successful uh ultimately and when you get to know people 
they'll understand that you stand behind your word. And that's another thing, always stand behind your word. Um, even if it's hard, um, when I, a couple years ago, um, the horse Malibu Canyon, he went to uh, a guy in Colorado, um, which, uh, yeah, so he went to a guy in Colorado and the guy promised me he had a horse trainer and they were gonna train the horse and all this. And so the horse went and I'm messaging him for maybe a couple weeks and he wouldn't message me back. And then finally he messaged me back and said everything was fine. And so I didn't think anything of it. And then two weeks later, he messaged me and said, okay, I lied. It wasn't fine. Um, we're having trouble with this horse. And so I flew out to Colorado to help him. And I helped them and, and they um, were thankful. And they were like, okay, we're going to do what you said. And then I left and they didn't do what I said. And so then a month later, they were like, yeah, I, I just don't think this horse is working out. And so I said, okay, I made your promise. I'll take the horse back. Um, and then he wanted his donation refunded. So um, I went ahead and refunded it to him, even though it was hard. Because um, I didn't, at that point, I didn't have a lot of money. And so it was hard to, I'd already reinvested that donation because this was like probably six or yeah. seven months into the, so I'd already reinvested that into a new horse. Um, and so it was not easy for me to take that donation money, but I refunded it. And and I think like if I hadn't, it would have given me a bad reputation, especially as a minority, they're going to remember you. It's yeah. not like they're going to be like, oh, who was that? No, they know it's you. Mm -hmm. And so um, I refunded the money. It wasn't easy. And now the horse is at an excellent home and it worked out. But I think like when you're running a business, sometimes it's hard to make that right decision, even when you know the other person it might be in the wrong just always make the decision looking into the future. Don't look at what's right in front of your face. Look 10, 20 years down the road. What do you want your reputation to be? What do you want, you know, to stand behind? And that's another reason why that one horse stays with me. I, I don't want one of my horses going out and they're like, oh, that horse isn't really that trained or, oh, this or that or whatever. I'm always thinking this horse is a reflection of me. And so as a horse trainer, yeah, your horses are a reflection of, of, of you, good or bad. Mm -hmm. And so always keep that in mind. But, you know, at the core, I would say that probably the most important thing, like if I could, you know, talk to college kids that are, you know, you know, uh, equine science major, like I was, mm -hmm. I would say, yeah, start the networking, get in with you know a good vet a good farrier a good you know because those are the people hey i have this horse oh i know this person oh let me get to know this person that lives here or oh this person has pasture turnout out here oh how did you meet this person oh through this person so you just you build your little network of of connections yeah. and then it makes everything a lot easier and a lot more fun too because you're yes. not out there all by yourself yeah, like you said, I mean, your network is not just the people you know. Once you know that person, I feel like it gains you access to their network. Yes. Because you know, they will allow, they will make, <laughs> refer people or, you know, give you pointers or, you know, hey, I know a guy, you know? Yeah. So yep. I, I completely agree with that, with that advice, because that's very, very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and if I had anything else, um, I was just talking to um, a clinician who we're going to have come down in July. He's really good. 
I was talking to him about it and I also, it was, he, he brought it up on one of his podcasts and I, I think that a lot of, um, people who are amateurs get embarrassed about going to competitions in front of other people because they feel like they're going to be judged or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you just have to find a way in, oh, I don't want people staring at me. I don't want people thinking this or thinking that. You just got to find a way to just put yourself out there and not really worry about that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. um, it's easier for me to say that because everything I do, I'm the only black person everywhere so I'm used to getting stared at um yeah so I don't really care yeah. <laughs> um, by now and I know yeah. that's a hard thing for a lot of people but once you just start getting out there and then you just get used to it and you're just like ah people stare it, it's not that really it's really not that big a deal um I, I would say that would probably be the second thing other than networking don't be afraid to get out there um because mm -hmm. The, you're, yeah, there's going to be people who stare, but then there's going to be people who are really encouraging and you wouldn't have met them if you didn't go out there and go out to competitions, go out to clinics, put yourself out there and challenge yourself. Don't be afraid mm -hmm. to challenge yourself, mm -hmm. you know, because that's, you, you miss out. I mean, you only got one life, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember going to a horse show. I only went because my photographer was there photographing the horse show and I went to just hang out with her and keep her company and I had my hair so big. <laughs> and this guy, I was just walking. I was looking for her and I was walking. And this guy like ran up to me. He was like, oh my God, I love your hair. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was just like okay. <laughs> now yeah. I feel like every now I feel like this hair is real big. <laughs> but I mean, it was just, it was something like if you you know you're gonna be looked at give them something to yeah <laughs> yeah I I honestly like I I had I, I I really and I I when I was you know my 20s I I was not um as comfortable but now I don't care I on my eventing vest I, I have the Punisher skull like spray painted on it I I don't care stare get your looks in yeah it's fine and then when you fall off I will go riding right by you it's fine <laughs> like it's totally fine like and, and that's like now people know me in this little area in California and Arizona so nobody stares anymore but the first couple times I went to clinics and stuff people were like oh what are we gonna see and I was just like oh whatever <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever. now I'm just like yeah now they're like oh that's Jennifer <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool Caitlin you got any more questions I do Jennifer do you plan on owning your own land yes that's actually a good question yeah um so, uh, yeah, my boyfriend and I are actually right now planning, um, we're looking, um, in Northern Arizona, uh, like kind of Flagstaff, Prescott, um, mm -hmm. kind of in that area. Um, it'll make it a lot easier to, uh, take in a lot more horses because they'll be on pasture. That's one of the things that stinks about, uh, Las Vegas is it's all stalls. Like there's no turnouts. There's no, I mean, there's no pastures, there's no turnouts. Um, and so, uh, when I retire in seven years, uh, that's the plan is to, you know, go, uh, get some land, have some horses and, and go from there. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Ooh.
That's cool. That is everybody's ultimate goal. I feel like yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. And then yeah. we interviewed this guy out in Texas, and he's like, "Oh, you know, we oh. got a little bit of property in Texas." And I was like, "Oh, you know, how many acres?" He's like, "Well, there's two fifty acres over here, and then there's <laughs> acres over here." And I was like, "Fifty more down the road." <laughs> right. Like, um, I'm sorry. I thought I was balling on seven. And I'm yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'd be looking for. It'd be seven. I'd be like, wow, it's a huge property. Yeah. yeah. And he's yeah. like hundreds, hundreds yeah. of acres. I'm like, sir, let me, <laughs> let me get some of that. Just yeah. a little quarter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You won't yeah. even know I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't. No. <laughs> but the, also, I'm so. I, I think that y'all will definitely get it. You might get it sooner than you think, so. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, shout out your, you know, your social media and website and all that stuff so our uh, audience can go take a look. Um, yeah, okay, our website is uh, fireandicecourses.org. Um, and then I am on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, um, Fire and Ice Courses on all three of those. Uh, where you can find us and there's uh, links from the web page as well uh, to that so if you just type in um, fire fire and ice horses uh, in Google um, I think I'm pretty sure we're the first one that comes up there is another one in Florida but that's not us so um, we're the one in Las Vegas so <laughs> and there's pictures of me so it'll be pretty obvious uh, which right. One it is. <laughs> but, right unless it's run by a black woman it ain't us. yeah but yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Have a safe trip on your yeah, drive and good luck with all of that. Thank you. Thank you. And <laughs> and I'll make sure to um, send you, I can't remember her name right now, but she runs the retired racehorse project uh, thing and it's, it's really well done. So yeah. Okay. yeah, Awesome. I'm gonna go check it out. I'm gonna go check out our, the, um, the podcast right now. So yeah. <laughs> You have a great evening. Yeah, you too. And good luck with the endurance riding. <laughs> I need time. I need more time. I need like full days. Yeah, you do. You do. I mean, even for us in three-day eventing for the cross country, like, I mean, you have to have gallop days where you're, you know, where you gallop your horse. Yeah. 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 It's a pain, but you know, yeah. we'll work it out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Good luck. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Young Black Equestrians, the podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends your favorite episode. Be sure to head over to our YouTube channel to check out our visual content, and we'll see you guys next week.